On today's show... We break down a much-needed win for your Hornets over the Trailblazers. Michael Kidd Gilchrist is healthy, and fans are complaining about his performance on the court. And Nike is doing away with the sleeve jerseys. Is that a good thing? We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day, whenever you need it. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. We're back. The winning ways are back, Doug, and we return to talk about them. Absolutely. We're, we are excited about this show. It's a big show. And he was at the game last night inside the locker room. He covers the Hornets for ESPN Charlotte, Justin Thomas. Justin, uh, first, how are you coping with your Cowboys dipping out of the playoffs a little early? Oh, man. Do you know, do you know, do you know what's odd about that? Walking uh, through Uptown, I was fixing my headphones. I happened to look across the street. And there's this guy in a Green Bay Packers sweatshirt. Ready. He wants to smile and wave. They are ready. Very disrespectful. (laughs) I'm not happy about it. But it's all right. We get to talk basketball. I'm back with the fellas. So, you know, I'll be all right. That's right. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast on the NFL. The NFL Draft Podcast blowing up right now. Uh, There's not a lot of teams left in the playoffs, so the rest of the team's focusing on on the draft. Go check out that podcast. Also, NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Also want to mention that uh, we'll we'll talk more about this later in the show, uh, but charlottemagazine.com is releasing their best of the best awards, and uh, it gives you a chance to vote on the best things in Charlotte, including media, including podcast. So we're asking um, Locked on Hornets Nation to rise up and vote for Locked on Hornets as the best podcast in Charlotte. Uh, the, the link is charlottemagazine.com slash best dash of dash the dash best. We'll, we'll, we'll post that on Twitter. That's a difficult URL. Um, but just go to charlottemagazine.com. It's on the homepage, B-O-B, best of the best awards, and vote for us. And vote for us in every media category. That'll make it the easiest because I think you have to vote for 25% of the ballot. So if you just vote for uh, myself or David for look, TV personality, sure, we're on TV. We were on, we're on the news every weekend. Sure. Radio station, sure. we're, we might as well be. We're on every day. Just vote for Locked on Hornets for every category. Put in the vote. Uh, help. Uh, it's going to help us keep the lights on. It's going to help us keep doing this and uh, get better guests. So uh, please do that if you, if you have a chance. Okay, let's start in Charlotte. The Hornets finally back home, and boy, did they act like it. Started off a little slow on offense. Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, they begin the game, a combined 0 of 8 from the floor, but they would bounce back and outscore the dynamic duo of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Kimball Walker with 23, Nick Batum adding 17 to go along with 7 rebounds and 7 assists. They got a lot of help from the bench unit as well. Roy Hibbert added 16 points on 7 of 8 shooting, and Frank Kaminsky drops 17 points. Those are all offensive numbers. How about the defense? They hold the Trailblazers under 90 points, 
13 points in the fourth quarter. Big win for the Charlotte Hornets, 107-85. to Steve Clifford after the game. Well, you know, tonight we defended. You know, they're the ninth best offensive team in the NBA. So certainly it shows that when we're, you know, more concentrated on what we're doing, we're more than capable of, you know, playing good defense. You heard from Steve Clifford there. Let's hear from Justin. You were in the locker room after the game. What was the mood? What were players saying after getting that huge win last night? I would definitely say relief. Um, usually after losses, um, you know, guys are, are pretty quiet. And, and said that they just came off a pretty devastating 0-5 road trip. You know, guys were relieved. I, I know Kimball was joking with Roy Hibbert about getting the haircut. Uh, Marvin was was just kind of making jokes of of Roy getting a lot of media attention. And, <laughs> you know, it was it was so light that Michael Kidd Gilchrist even asked me for some popcorn that I tried to get him to try last week. <laughs> so guys were guys were really relieved, and you could tell that you know they they wanted this game. And as as much as anything, man, you, when you lose five straight, um, it, it hurts. But just from from listening to everybody talk, there's still a level of focus, but there was. Definitely some relief because they needed a win and they needed one bad. Well, listen, we needed popcorn last night because the game was so entertaining. David, on the court, what changed for the Hornets? Well, they got back to doing what's made them successful, Doug. They kept the turnovers low, only giving up the ball 12 times, forcing Portland to turn it over 15 times. And again, like you said, they held the Portland, especially the starting backcourt, to what, just 39 points. And uh, only 26% shooting, still got, gave up 31 threes. But that's just, that's just what's going to happen. I, I'm going to stop harping on that because they're going to be giving up some threes. And also the bench, like you mentioned. But the fast break points, Doug, and that's something we saw, with, especially in the Rockets game. Those guys were able to get out and run, which they will do. But they held the Blazers to just nine fast break points. Key. So they're trying to get back a little bit. <laughs> they're, they're working on getting back more and more often. So I thought that was it. But to me, honestly, the biggest thing, when Kemba and Nick started knocking down shots and the flow of the offense got back going, you know, Nick and, and Marco with the cuts and the passes – when they're working, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch, and they've gotten back to that. We didn't see much of that on the road. Things were just not clicking, and when things aren't going well, it makes everything stand out that much more. So when you don't get back, when you miss a box out, you know when you're trying to find ways to get off this losing streak, those little things add up. And I thought last night they did a better job of just staying concentrated because hey, Clifford got into some guys in that first quarter. Cody Zeller probably the most prominent. That's right. They really had to bounce back after a slow start, both offensively and defensively. But here were the keys to me. They kept the ball in front of them, which is very difficult to do when you are facing off against C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. But I thought they did a great job communicating in pick and roll and switches. Marco was communicating. Marvin was quarterbacking the defense once again. They played physical. A lot of that had to do with getting Roy Hibbert into the lineup and and him moving around very well. He did a great job, I thought, in the third quarter of defending the rim. They played defense in the fourth quarter, again, limiting them, limiting their shots, uh, forcing that bench unit, uh, which featured Noah Vonley and Myers Leonard, those bigs. They went 4 of 18 for this game. And Myers Leonard, one of three from beyond the arc. Evan Turner, again, 0 of two from beyond the arc. That was one of our keys. Leave him open. Let him shoot. Um, They just played smart. And Steve Clifford really harped on this after the game about playing intelligently. They have to do it every game. Let's hear from Steve Clifford. To me, our chance to be exceptional, look at our team. 
Okay, we're not physically imposing. We're not playing three guys who are going to average 23 a night. What we are is we have exceptional basketball IQ, skill level, and intelligence. And that only matters if you take advantage of it. So if you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have dumb turnovers, you know, we just lost a game the other night with 19. We're not that team. They didn't turn the ball over, Justin. Also, he mentioned that he thought that Marvin Williams set the tone defensively. How impressed were you with Marvin Williams' performance last night? And, you know, I don't even know if if I would even say impressed because Marvin has done it for a long time. But this year, you know, know, they're struggling. And we could talk a lot about Marvin and, you know, him not shooting the ball well. But early in the season, you know, Clifford said this, like, hey, you know, we would definitely love to, you know, they have those days that we got last year. But a great deal of his importance is holding everything together together on the defensive end and putting guys in position and communicating. And last night he he did that, and they needed it last night because, you know, they've played a lot of teams, well, excuse me, not a lot of teams, they've played teams with guys, or I guess you could label them stars, that, that can really get buckets. And yesterday with, with holding Lillard and McCollum on the check, you know, that, that, that takes a lot of effort because, you know, just the other night you saw Isaiah Thomas put up 17 in the fourth quarter. And I think today they realized, I mean, excuse me, last night they realized, okay, we, we have to do something on the defensive end. And Marvin was there. He said, hey, man, I, I've, I've done this for, you know, my time here being in Charlotte. They need me. I'm going to hold things together, and uh, we're going to see what we can come out with a win. And last night they were able to get a W. Well, he was holding things together, but he was also making impact plays on the floor. He hit two three-pointers, but he had two steals as well. Had a great steal in the second quarter. The Hornets only yep. up three points. The Blazers, they were running that weave action, David, that we talked about in the preview. Plumley slipped his man. Lillard tries to give it to him inside, but Marvin comes all the way from the weak side, gets a hand in there. Those are the kind of extra effort plays they have to have from Marvin. They get 21 points in this game off of 15 uh, Blazers turnovers. That's the perfect example of what the Hornets have to do to win ball games. And and how about that rotation change, David? Um, getting Marvin and MKG on the floor with the second unit combined with Marco, uh, Sessions, and Hibbert, it's a change they actually installed uh, two games ago, or three games ago now. They started in Philly getting Marvin in with the second unit, uh, either with Batum or MKG, and it looks like it's working. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I made a note of that steal that you just mentioned in the second quarter. That was big because I think it pushed it out to a five-point lead. It was kind of the beginning of a little run for the Hornets there, and just a great play by Marvin. One of those that Clifford and Justin just hit on. I mean, that that's the thing they love about him, but you're right. That lineup change too kind of piqued my interest, and um, yeah, they had done a little bit on the road trip. I think I think we maybe blocked that out, the entire road trip, <laughs> and, and the substitution changes. But, I, you know, it feels like they're trying to get a little consistency, right? Um, we shored the ship, right? Uh, that's not a that's not a saying. Shoring the ship, is it? Sure. Riding the ship. Sure, sure. Yeah. shoring a ship is a saying. Say that okay, okay. a there couple times. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like they're trying to get some consistency and some uh, better play with that second unit and trying to keep things going. I mean, I kind of liked it because, um, it, one, it seemed to be working. And, and, two, you get some of those guys out there that can affect the game more and maybe support that bent. But one, one real quick thing on Marvin here, guys, you know, the defense is fantastic, but what they used so much last year was that three-point shooting. And look, over his last six games, he's shooting 
uh, and five of them, over 50% and five of them. So, I mean, maybe that's coming back a little bit. That would be a huge boost for this team, I think. Yeah, the three-point shots coming back and, and the defense as well for both Marvin and MKG. And that was my those were my headlines. If the Hornets were going to turn things around, you had to have bigger performances for Marvin and MKG, and they certainly got them last night. The Hornets in general, very handsy, a lot of deflections, 11 steals. Again, as I said, a lot of turnovers for that Blazers team. Um, but I'm seeing, and David, I know you're seeing this as well, and I want to get Justin's take on this, a little negativity surrounding MKG's performance. And it's been bubbling, especially in that uh, five-game losing streak on the road. But he gets nine points, five rebounds, four assists in this game, three of seven from the floor. He knocked down a few jump shots. But still, what's up with this negativity surrounding MKG amongst uh, some fans? Uh, The problem is teams are – okay, so he has the label of, you know, a defensive stopper is a really good defensive player. And and going back to you know to some of the games is you know some of the some of the wing players have been you know giving giving the Hornets a good run for their money, so people are getting frustrated by that. And usually, you know, when you start losing everything, people start picking out everything. Mm-hmm. And and when you start losing, you know, those things happen. And also, one thing that I've noticed is MKG, he has a lot of empty drives. As far as he gets the ball, he's going to the rim. And for the past, how many times I've been watching these drives, he's getting to the rim, mm-hmm. and usually he's not getting fouled or he's not making them. So then you okay, okay, man, he's getting the ball, he's going to the rim. We like that aggressiveness, but it's not resulting in points. But then you say, no, 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 we don't, we don't care about him scoring points, okay? We know he is a defensive guy. And then you go back and you're like, man, that guy had 28 in the loss. That, that guy had 30. Or that guy had 22. What is... What is this guy on the floor for? And I think just the losing brings out a lot of frustrations. But I do think something that is concerning are the empty drops of the basket. Because usually you don't really account for him giving points because you know a lot of his, his importance lies on the defensive end. But if you're out there and you're driving and you're showing that you're trying to get these points, when you're not getting out of it, then it starts to pile on and people begin to get frustrated. But on the defensive end, I, I do think he's getting there. He's had some tougher games against some better guys. But, you know, for the most part, he's still young. Um, even though I hate these next excuses most, but, you know, he's healthy. And I think hopefully you would like to see somewhat of a better change in the second half of the year. But I think a lot of the defense was also, you know, team things also not solely just on him. But they're just frustrated. When you start losing, people aren't happy. And when people aren't happy, they start fighting every flaw in their game. David, staying on MKG, yeah. he gets he gets nine points, which is is fine uh, when Kemba Walker is getting help from other places like the bench. I mentioned Frank Kaminsky. I said seventeen points. He actually had eleven points, but he knocks down three three pointers in this game. And then you get thirteen from Belly and sixteen from Hibbert, and it's okay for MKG to score nine. But when Kemba's not getting that help, I think MKG tends to attract that negativity more than other players. Uh, what are what are you seeing? Yeah. Well, I'm glad Justin mentioned that. That's one of the things that I was noticing, especially, of course, in that five-game losing streak. But even before that, you know, if he is not going to be the guy that is making pull-up jumpers, even though he's gotten so much better at that, I mean, look, from where he came from, right? But 
you know, the comp always is like a Tony Allen type player, but Tony Allen, when he gets to the bucket, he usually finishes and he's creating yeah. a lot of fast break steals. And so he's able to score those easy quote unquote, easy buckets or close in buckets with more efficiency than MKG. And I think he's got to be able to finish those better or at least get fouled. Now, of course there's some foul calls that he doesn't get that happens to everybody, but he's got to be able to finish those uh, layups and dunks with more uh, consistency to really, uh, to really impact the game on both ends because, you know, like we said yesterday, Vanell pointed out uh, after that Celtics game that he just hasn't been quite the same night in, night out defensive stopper that we've seen over the last two years. And, uh, you know, we we looked at this yesterday, Doug. He hasn't been healthy. I mean, for the last two years, right, this is the first year that he's really played. He's played in all but one game. Uh, he's now played 34 games in a row. He's only played that many games in a row once in his career uh, in 2013, 2014, when he played 43 games in a row. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's, yes, he's a young guy, but it's his fifth year in the league. Um, I do think maybe he's wearing down just a bit right now. Uh, so the all-star break could really help him, but look, I think he's got to be better finishing around the rim, but you can't expect that. Like in this five game losing streak, if you're sitting there saying, well, the reason we're losing is because MKD is not scoring enough. I mean, that's not a good, right? That's not a good solution. And I don't know if anyone is out there is really asking for him to score that much, but look, he's out there to give you the defense. These guys do not double. They're asking a lot of him, especially when he goes up guys, against guys like James Harden, LeBron James, all of the great wings, you know, that he's facing on a night in night out basis. Um, and he, and he played well against Russell Westbrook. So, you know, he's going to have his good nights, but I think he's got to get some consistency, especially down in near the basket to really be effective moving forward. Yeah. Here's the stat, uh, inside, uh, that zone around the rim. He, he shoots 60, more than 60% of his shots come around that zone and he's shooting 49% on the year, 96 of 196, and the league average is 56%. So he's seven points under the league average. Not very good, but I think... You know, I think he gets a lot of his confidence from his defensive play, and he may he had three blocks and a steal last night, and just getting those impact plays, first of all, they lead to transition buckets, which are easy to make and will help that percentage, but also I think he needs those plays to just drum up his confidence, get inside, find a way to create that contact. You just hope he's not – it doesn't look like he's afraid to create that contact. He hasn't changed uh. his game in any way. Uh, you just hope he just keeps at it, and just like Marvin jump shot if if the team as a whole starts playing better I think you're going to see MKG's performance around the rim uh, turn around let's move uh, speaking of around the rim Roy Hibbert spent a lot of time around the rim on the defensive end Uh, how big was his contribution to the game last night David you know what's funny about that, Justin you're probably in there when Clifford was asking about this and said you know hey can you now expect this Every night moving forward or something to that degree. I remember Clifford, that one. <laughs> I mean, I'll just, I could see Clifford's mind just jumping out. He said, yeah, I mean, hey, we hope so, which is like his version of, <laughs> <laughs> which is his version of, of Hibbert's, uh, uh, the Hornets are I remember good, pretty good. good. I mean, uh, this is great to see, but it's been uh, half of a season since we've seen a performance like this, you know. Since the first game pro- against exactly. Milwaukee. Exactly. They noted this in the broadcast last night. That was the first game of the first half of the season. This is the first game of the second half of the season. So you need to see it a little more consistently. Um, But, 
you know, I don't know what you can take from this, to be honest. I don't know how you guys feel about it. It's great to get it if they can get it on a few more nights, but we've seen it. It's just been tough. Some nights he's not even playing, right? Um, so it's, it's going to be tough for him to consistently give that, those results, I think. Well, he was he was hitting everything, even the 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 attempts that were passes uh, to Marco Bellinelli. He tried to loft <laughs> the ball up, and it went in the basket instead. And um, uh, Nick Carboni from WCNC doing great work uh, in the locker room asked Kimba Walker about that shot post game, and here's what Kimba said about uh, this Roy Hibbert fluke shot that that shouldn't have even been a shot. Here's here's Kimba. That was yeah. That was that was a hell of a shot. That was a hell of a pass <laughs> shot. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was, I'm glad it went in. <laughs> yeah, well, so were Hornets fans. They were glad uh, when any time that Roy Hibbert can get it into the bucket, uh, that's going to be uh, good for Hornets fans. Here's a question, uh, Justin, we'll start with you. Could alternating – so they're alternating the bigs right now, that, that second unit big. So Hawes will play one night and Roy Hibbert will play another night. Do you think that alternating the bigs like that will continue – and and is that an asset, or do you think Steve Clifford would rather settle on either Hawes or Hibbert for the rest of the season? Um, I, I definitely think he would rather settle settle for a, a consistent unit. They're, they're about to go into the All Star break in coming weeks, and you know, like Roy Hibbert played a, a really good game last night. But the problem with Roy Hibbert is his body is mm-hmm. his body is beat up. I guess you you just can't, you can't even expect that game from him once every two weeks. Like the 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 process that he has to go through to, to get ready, it's you just can't even think of it. And then at the same time, you're like, okay, well, you know, we like Spencer Hostick, guys. Everybody knows it. If you got to get 25 to 30 minutes for Spencer Haas, there could be a lot of head scratching and shaking of the head. Um, so I, I definitely think he wants to go with something more consistent. But at the same time, I don't think he can necessarily do that because we we saw what you can do with extended minutes of Spencer Haas and then Roy Hibbert's body just it just doesn't hold up. But you know, going with the you know the um, you know rotating that and, and trying to keep some guys fresh, you can literally the only thing he's hoping for is is if the team can play better and that the bigs can just go in there and play and you not really have to have a big emphasis on what they do. Because if they if something were to happen where they really need to depend on Haas or depending on Hibbert, then the season, you know, would not be great going forward. So, you know, seeing what the two guys bring to the table and their bodies and everything that go into account, sadly, he's probably going to have to keep doing this because you don't mm-hmm. want too much Spencer and Roy can't play enough to keep him out there. So I think he's going to just have to do this and hope for the best. Hey, let's go out to uh, Steve, who is uh, one of our listeners in Australia. Uh, Steve wrote us in uh, on email, buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Steve says, a few weeks ago on your live show, you read out a comment of mine regarding Cliff's early season comments about Roy being a potential game changer for us, and I said that I couldn't see it. Well, against the Blazers, I saw it. Yes, it was only a glimpse. Yes, it was only one game. And no, I don't expect that sort of offensive output again. But boy, did he look good on defense, blocking shots, diving for loose balls. I never thought I'd say this about Roy, but he brought energy. That's the key, David, right? It's not about looking at his points per game. It's about his movement. It's about his effort. It's about the energy that he brings on the defensive end. That could be the game changer for the Hornets if they can consistently keep him out on the floor. Yeah, that's not like the big issue, though, right? And Clifford talked about that last night, just like what Justin said. Everything he's got to go 
through to get ready for the game. But yeah, you're right. If they can get some of that defensive energy, I think, especially uh, protecting at the rim. I mean, he was, he was lively last night jumping around and, and, and so those, those little jumpers that he hit are probably going to be there regardless. I mean, he, have, he doesn't have to move much to get those, but man, it's no, just, Kimba, it, Kimba you, moves the defense, uh, yeah. move three guys just to get the ball to Hibbert and Hibbert knocked down the jumper. Yeah, so he didn't really have to do much or move that much on offense, right? I mean, he's just got to stay spry enough to be able to make some movements and kind of direct some things on on defense. But, man, it sure is nice to see him down there and just be able to rise up, you know, out of the depths and and, and dunk a ball home uh, right under the rim. He's so big that if they can just get him right, uh, you know, it's tough. It's just, it's, just, it's just kind of a shame. You wonder, do you think, Doug, let me ask you this, and Justin, maybe you can chime in. I mean, how much of that were they foreseeing when they brought him in? I mean, from the Lakers, that there would be this kind of night in, night out effort to kind of get him ready to play. Well, I think that's what they were. I think that's what they were hoping for, Justin. Right? I mean, that he would have that energy defensively. I don't. I don't know how much they expected from him offensively, other than they were hyping up his ability uh, to pass the ball. They also saw him as an option. I remember Clifford commenting on this that they saw him as an option as a role man because he is so big, he can lift his hand way up in the air and and maybe get to a ball that other centers could not. Uh, we haven't seen that yet. We've seen more of his uh, ability to hit that mid range jumper. Uh, but it's it's all about his movement, right, Justin? I don't I don't think they envisioned this. I uh, I think w- when they were when they were looking at him, like okay, this was a guy that was in bad situations. Yeah, for sure. We know we know he was in toxic locker rooms, and 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 Roy's kind of Roy's kind of a he's a different guy. Let's just say that he's a, he's a different guy. So he's he's not really going to kind of blend with a lot of people. So they said, okay, you know, we have a really good locker room. Um, Clifford values size, links, high IQ. Because you know, guys have come here and, and had good years. You know, Cho and, and, and Cliff probably talked to say, yo, let's bring him in. And he probably had good workouts. I'm like, okay, cool. We, we can sign this guy. And then I think after the first time he got nicked up, they're like, no, he, he should be all right. You know, it's early, just a little bruise. And then I think it started to fit in like, Man, this this guy's body is it it just can't hold up anymore. And and even the Roy man, Roy works really hard. Yeah. I mean, he actually he's in great shape. He gets in, he takes care of his body. But you know, when when your body just starts breaking down, it, it doesn't matter how competitive you are, or how disciplined you are, you yeah. just can't do it. They say Father Time is undefeated, and and when big guys and they start having knee foot problems and lower extremities. That's when you know you know it's trending downhill, and and sadly you know Roy's doing it. And I think that's what made last night nice, just to know that a guy worked so hard and and to get this game. It's like man, we know he goes through a lot. He can't do something, but to see him go have a good night, I think that everybody in the locker room was really happy. For Roy Roy's performance was a microcosm of the team's performance in terms of just energy and movement and communication and and doing the things that the Hornets need to do. To create uh, Aaron on uh, to create a solid foundation for the playoffs, and Aaron uh, on uh, email buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com asked us about that. He said, "I'm a longtime fan, listener. What did the Hornets need to do in order to have a solid foundation in the playoffs?" And I think that's the big takeaway from this game: is that it's this. This game is even You're though right. it's against an inferior opponent in the Portland Trailblazers, they they have stars on that team. 
and, and they were able to limit what those stars could do and then take care of the rest of the team as well, play consistently for 48 minutes, and defend in the fourth quarter. Those are the big takeaways from this game. And real quick, guys, I have to mention before we move on that uh, Frank Kaminsky had one of the best defensive games of of this season, and you hope that continues. There were a lot of things in this game that we expected from game one. And now they do it in this game, and now the question as they look ahead to another tough matchup on Friday against the Toronto Raptors, another shot at beating one of the top three teams in the East, the big question hovering above the Hornets, and Steve Clifford brought this up after the game, can you do it again? The best players, the best teams in the league do it night in, night out. They don't do it one game and then lose the next two you you got to play consistently the same way uh, if if you expect to be uh, a playoff team and have what Aaron calls a solid foundation in the playoffs. By the way, thanks to uh, both Aaron uh, and Steve for those questions on email. You can send your questions, buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We will read them here on the show and do our best to answer them. Okay, let's move on to a couple of one last things before we get out of here. Nike is calling it quits on the sleeve jerseys. Uh, They're also getting rid of the economy jersey option. No word on if that uh, $100 swingman jersey will live, but it looks like as Nike takes over the jersey game uh, from Adidas, they are, are starting to listen to players slim things down. David, what do you think about this change? It was inevitable, I think, when the switch was made. I'm excited for it. Listen, I think Nada is not our guy that, that just really rides for these sleeves. He loves them, right? He thinks they're a great idea. I don't know. I like this. I mean, I, I like the you Buzz like City the sleeves. sleeves. I'm okay with them. I, I mean, oh, if the players well, yes. if the players hate them, then yes, get rid of them. The I'm not sure. Horrible. Okay, yes, I, I, I think that's the general consensus. <laughs> and so it's it's really more of, a, of an Adidas thing, right? Like that's what you see in college and stuff too. Um, so this is the right way to go. I think you're going to see a lot of exciting changes. Some people are going to hate it, but I think some you're going to. They mentioned you know some of the uniforms that teams are going to go to with Nike. The All Star uniforms are certainly probably going to be spiced up. So uh, and here in Charlotte, I think you might see the Jordan brand, right? Be the only one in the NBA that we know of right now. So a lot of cool things, but I mean, look, nobody, nobody likes those sleeves. I mean, really, you know, and nobody really likes Adidas either. So it's okay. All right. Well, well, Uh, we can cross Adidas off our list of sponsors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Also the starters for the NBA all-star game will be announced tonight. David, all-star, best-case, worst-case scenario for Kemba in the starters announcement tonight. Yes, so we've covered this, I think, this week at length. But best-case scenario would be two point guards getting those starting spots because that's going to leave another slot for him to slide in in the reserves. Worst case, as we've discussed, is Dwayne Wade taking one of those starting spots, regardless of who the other one is, because if he takes that, that's going to take a guard slot from Kemba on the reserve side. So you want to see... And Isaiah Thomas and a Kyle Lowry or an Isaiah Thomas and a Kyrie Irving come out with those starters and Kimba could be in better shape. Uh, Justin, what are Kimba's thoughts right now on the all-star selection or, or did Clifford mention anything about that last night as well? Um, he was uh, uh, my man Jake from the uh, Gas and Gazette asked him about it. Excuse me, I said Jake, Jack. Um, he asked him about it. And, you know, of course, you know, Kimba has played at the all-star level all year. And Clifford echoed that sentiment. And talking to Kimba, is Kimba, Kimba wants it, but Kimba's not a guy that, he's a real selfless guy. Like last night, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just getting tired of it. Like, 
yes, I want to make the all-star team, but I mean, it's nothing that, I mean, if we're winning, I, I could care less. And I think that's really how it is. It's like, yeah, man, as a kid, you want to be an all-star. Like that's what you aspire to be. But you know, when you just come off of losing five games, I mean, the all-star game is really not your top priority. So, but you know, he's played well all year. I think he has a really good chance of making it. Um, but you know, I think he's just ready for it to happen, whether he know or he makes it or not, and then he can just move on. Because I, I definitely think he's tired of the question. Coming up on Friday's show, we're going to discuss this topic, and and David brought this up: Is Kimball Walker a top three Hornet of all time? So we're going to dig into the stats. We're going to get a little controversial. We're going to name some some classic names like Glenn Rice, like Larry Johnson. Is is Kimba's name worthy of joining those elite in the top three Hornet Hornets of all time list? We're going to talk about that tomorrow. So you make make sure if this is your first time listening, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. Also, it's time for Charlotte Magazine's Best of the Best Awards, and we're asking for your help. The link again is charlottemagazine.com slash best dash of dash the dash best. We'll post that on Twitter, or you can go to charlottemagazine.com and just click on the link for the Bob Awards, the best of the best. Go there and vote for us in every media category, and that will take care of your 25% of the ballot that you have to fill out. I know it's you have. I think you have to register with the site. We're we're asking for your help uh, because it's going to help us tremendously if we win that best podcast award. That's the key one to fill out. Locked on Hornets as the best podcast. It's going to help us continue to deliver this daily coverage that we love to do. Um, so please help us out. Uh, check out Charlotte Magazine. Dot com and vote for us in the best of the best awards. That's all the time we have for this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts. Be like Aaron. Be like Steve. Send it to us, buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Again, we're back again tomorrow with a preview of this big game, huge game against the Toronto Raptors. For David and Justin, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.